we have coffee. Sean went across the street to the restaurant and got coffee. Our coffee machine's broken. I got and, to say uh, hi to Danny. I hadn't seen him in a while. Every, that guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. Everybody yeah. at the radio station was in a, a state of crisis from lack of coffee. Things were getting a little ugly. 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 Wow. It's affected his speech. It's made me use uh, racist, stereotypical <laughs> language. Things have gotten ugly. I've already sent in an email to HR. Yeah, good. Go ahead. Another uh, one. Things have gotten ugly around here. Yes. No coffee. People starting to throw fists and everything. Now we're all going to have to apologize. Sweet, Dr- sweet caffeine. Man, that first sip of coffee of the day. I don't drink coffee until I get to work. That first sip of coffee of the day is just fantastic. It's like, oh, mm, that's pretty good. That's some good coffee. There you go. I tell you what, the the restaurant, the the, the drip thing with the big old basket of grounds. Not wrong Oh, that's some good coffee. Best coffee in the world, diner coffee in a smallish ceramic mug that they <laughs> refill every 45 oh, seconds. Oh, yeah. Oh, now that's coffee drinking. Well, the Dow is down as we speak about 600 points and other 600 points. Mostly around the coronavirus concerns uh, around the world. We have the first case in the United States of America. It happened in Sacramento, California, of somebody getting the coronavirus and in, in, you know, they, ain't, they ain't been to Japan or uh, to China. And they don't, they're not aware of having been in contact with anybody who has. So it, the, you know, the, the main point is it's out now. There are people moving about infecting other people, it would seem. And the the difficulty of this thing is, and, and we're not prone to panicking about anything around here. We try to be reasonable. But you don't know how big it's going to get until it gets there. You don't know how easily transmitted it's going to be and, and whether... You know, it's it's like when stuff starts coming up out of your drain. You don't know when it's going to stop. Is this going to be a little or a lot? And uh, and it has uh, it grows geometrically too, so there there are a lot of unknowns, a lot of question marks as to how transmissible it is, and if uh, the typical person will infect two people or twenty. So uh, before we get to some of the details, like uh, President Trump's press conference on it and some of the stats on it, we thought we'd let the late night comics take a look at the coronavirus because they all did jokes about it last night. Yeah, it's a late night joke off in which we uh, will grade each comedian on the quality of their joke, and the bottom grade getter will be banned from comedy for life, exercising this is a true secret story. powers. Go ahead. Yeah. This is a true story to combat the spread of the coronavirus. The CDC is suggesting men shave off soul patches and handlebar mustaches. As a result, Portland has declared a state of emergency. <laughs> This coronavirus is starting to make people nervous. Experts say this could be the fastest spreading virus from Asia since Gangnam Style, which is scary. (laughs) Businesses are also being affected by the coronavirus. I saw that there's a chance Diet Coke production could be interrupted. One man heard that and was like, okay, now we have a problem. Space Force, assemble. (laughs) He saved that at the end of my Wow. Wow, that was absolutely the receiver who bobbles the ball three times and yeah. catches it. That was a terrible joke, and then he really saved it at the end. Wow. Space Force Assemble. Wow, this is this is perhaps our hardest day ever. I got two B-pluses and a B. Yeah, that was pretty good. I'm going to allow them to keep their jobs for now. Fantastic. Yeah, the lighter side of a killer pandemic. Bernie Sanders over here. So they're... <laughs> That's right. Everybody shares according to their needs. And gives according to their abilities. So they're about as concerned as I am, apparently, about the coronavirus. But um, the uh, the president gave a speech about it yesterday, press conference. And uh, 
what what order do I want to do this in? Maybe I'll just say this part first. I was listening to a great podcast the other day from a guy who wrote a book uh, called, I think it's called The Lost Soul of the Presidency. And it's basically how the, the presidency has changed over time. We've talked about this a ton. Mm-hmm. And how it's so far from what the what it was intended to be in the beginning. Right. Or even what it was 20 years ago. I heard, yeah, I heard somebody say, um, it should not be pronounced president. It should be pronounced... President? President, correct. Hmm. As they are presiding over laws that are passed... And the government we've got making sure that it's going smoothly. Mm-hmm. But that's all they really are supposed to do. They're supposed to make the law, make sure the laws are followed and enacted. Right. And everything is okay there. Mm. But, you know, we're, we're a gazillion miles away from that. I mean, the founding fathers would have never thought if there's a, a health scare, it's the job of the president to calm our nerves. Right. Or if there's a mass shooting or any sort of crisis, a hurricane, the president needs to go there and make us feel better about it. It wasn't very many years ago. I think they cited, who was first, LBJ, somebody. You don't have to go back that far before a hurricane devastates Houston, Texas. The president wouldn't go there. Why would the president go to a hurricane site thousands of miles away? The the various government agency heads would go and speak about it. But why would the president go? The governor might. Now, if you don't go and sound sufficiently like a leader or compassionate, oh, your presidency might be doomed. Right. You it's need almost, to help us heal. You're the you're the national healer in chief, among other things. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's almost as if the president does a skit every time there's a disaster or a challenge yeah. like this. They go and and do the traditional kabuki theater of look at me, I'm concerned. The federal government is on your side. And then you know, I would assume it's on my side. I pay a, a, a huge pile of taxes. And then cable news channels discuss whether or not they think whoever was president at the time uh, sounded upset enough yeah, about yeah. the school shooting or the disease or the hurricane or whatever. It's weird. As opposed to just sending out, here's the person that runs our health department. They're going to come out and talk about it. Right. The president's being kept abreast of this situation, and uh, he's fine. Right, and he's fully on board with our efforts. You know, the the politicization of this immediately is just, it's hilarious, and I'm not quite sure I get it. If you're not, you know, a news junkie like we are, you know, mostly because of our our brutal and overwhelming professional responsibilities, uh, immediately upon the uh, appearance of this uh, evil microbe on our shores, the the Chuck Schumers of the world came out and said the president has no plan. We're unprepared. There's no there's no method for dealing with this. They have no idea what they're doing. Ignoring the existence of the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health, and the fact that they have protocols for all this stuff. We have the world's greatest doctors dealing with this stuff. Is the uh, response perfect so far? No, of course not. It never is. Uh, Could it be better? Perhaps. Let's see if we can improve it. But then the president says, all right, look, uh, I need $2.1 billion for this. And immediately Schumer comes out and says, that's not nearly enough. This is unprepared. woeful. Well, and, and, and Trump replies, well, give me as much as you want. We're going to spend whatever it takes, obviously. And by the way, Congress, you control the purse strings. So here's the part of it I don't get. If, if the president, you know, wears a yellow tie in India, which he did, which I found interesting, and Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and the, the talking heads and the news media and all just go crazy over the, the, the yellow tie. How dare he? This is a betrayal of everything that is sacred. Doesn't that noise just detract from when they have a real criticism? I don't understand how that works politically. 
don't doesn't it just become a steady hum in the background that you ignore? Right. They must not think so. You just hammer them at every single moment over every single thing, I even guess. if it's fine. I guess. I guess. I've been this way for a lot of my adult life. Have you ever had a personal relationship like that, though? You tune the person out. Sure. Or you shut them out completely. Or a co-worker, co- boss, whatever. Right, you bitch about everything all the time. Right. Right, right, right. Get away from me. Negative energy. Ooh, away, away. I remember we had a boss talk to us about some friend of his that gotten fired, and uh, the the guy actually said about his friend who got fired that he just they got tired of him complaining about the same thing all the time. Yeah, and uh, he just, was right. He was right, but but you have to find a different way to present the same thing. Anyway, Otherwise, you wear people out. Which of these Trump clips do you want to play to make an example of the Trump uh, Trump talking about this yesterday? What's a good representation of uh, how it sounded yesterday? Pick pick one, Sean. I don't care. But we're very, very ready for this, for anything, whether it's going to be a uh, breakout of larger proportions or whether or not we're, uh, you know, we're at that very low level and uh, we want to keep it that way. So we're at the low level. As they get better, we take them off the list so that we're going to be pretty soon at only five people. And we could be at just one or two people over the next short period of time. So we've had very good luck. So that's the healer in chief trying to calm fears. Nancy Pelosi was having none of it after the president spoke yesterday. This is shameful. I've put forth a proposal now that is meager, anemic, in terms of addressing. It's what, uh, the, with Ebola, we did $5 billion. Now they're trying to take the Ebola mon- money and spend it here. So what he's doing is late, too late. Wow. That, what a couple of... You know, listen, the president is no silver-tongued master either in that previous clip, but that was some of the worst garbled crap I've ever heard. Number one, the Ebola money. What is Ebola money? Money is money. Is that, <laughs> is that money with a picture of a monkey on it or what? What is Ebola money? It's it's contagion money for the CDC. It's, it's, it's build systems and techniques for... Quarantining contagions. Well, I haven't got Ebola. The... Now he wants to use Ebola money. Well, how many cases of Ebola are there in the U.S. right now? Oh, for God's well, sake! Neither, politics is crazy. Neither one of them are epidemiologists, and neither am I. And I haven't got the slightest idea or ability to know what is the proper response at this point in terms of money. But I do know that you've got one party that is always want the biggest number possible because it's just spending more money. Yeah, B- Spending more money in government is what one party is all about all the time. So, of course, they want a bigger amount of money. The other party's about pretending not to. Pretending they don't want to. Right, exactly. Hey, let's uh, play clip number 40. This is what we can do. This is Ann Shukat. Is that her name? Uh, Principal Deputy Director of the CDC. The coronavirus that we're talking about is a respiratory virus. It's spread in a similar way to the common cold or to influenza. It's spread through coughs and sneezes. And so those everyday sensible measures that we tell people to do every year with the flu um, are important here. Covering your cough, staying home when you're sick, and washing your hands. Tried and true, not very exciting measures, but really important ways that you can prevent the spread of respiratory viruses. 
Was, Stop was, eating bats. Was Conan serious about the uh, the shaving thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You didn't oh, yeah. see that yesterday? No. That was a huge meme yesterday. Oh, boy. The varieties of facial hair that are okay yes. and aren't okay during the coronavirus. Oh, boy. Now, the regular, like, Van Dyke, I think, was okay. I feel like this has to do with <laughs> in case you need to put on a gas mask of some sort, or like oh, a, a mask. Okay. The, oh, the a facial, medical mask? Yeah, the facial that's hair a, makes not as good of a seal to prevent the but stuff. They had, I think they, that's what the core of they it They had, right. like, 10 different male facial hair arrangements. Yes. And like eight of them were not okay, two of them were okay. Well, you know what I've done? I there, there's the, there's actually, there's like 20, yeah. I will there's be studying this during the commercials. <laughs> the soul patch, perfectly okay. Clean oh, shaven, good. of course okay. Fu Manchu, ah, the English, ah, the toothbrush, what's the, the Hitler. What's the English? The Hitler is okay. The Hitler mustache whoa, whoa. perfectly okay. Label this podcast, Jack says Hitler is okay. The lampshade is okay. But the chin curtain, ah, you're going to die. <laughs> French fork, ah, you're going to dead. The what? The French fork. You use that on the salad, right? The Giribaldi facial hair. <laughs> you kiss your loved ones goodbye. Ah. The facial hair of death. Handlebar, okay. The chevron, you're in good shape. The chevron. The walrus mustache. Brought must- to you by chevron. The walrus mustache, you're perfectly fine. The French fork, ah. <laughs> I hope you have a will, French fork. <laughs> Oh, sacre bleu. My French fork, I must shave her. We'll, oh, no. We'll link the male facial hair map at our website, armstrongandgetty.com. Don't wear the toothbrush. Yeah, yeah. even <laughs> even if it'll save you from the coronavirus. You know, so. I have as a precaution, and I thank you for not mentioning this, I have shaved my entire body. <laughs> I had a mustache and goatee and a full head of chestnut brown hair, but I have shaved my head, my face, uh, my arms, my legs, my, my, my Netherlands, sure. if you will. The full um, Brazilian. Every, that's why I was a little late coming in this morning. Is it took it took a great deal. There are parts of me that are difficult to reach. <laughs> man, are and you? And I wanted to proceed carefully. But man, are you smooth? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The list of proper facial hairs to prevent the coronavirus at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll get that uh, as soon as possible because there are some facial hairs that are as good as a death sentence. Um, you have a full goatee, <clears throat> forget it. That's not how I read the data, but uh, I hate to get in your way when you're on a roll. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? It seemed very important at the time. While you're thinking of that, mm-hmm. more Bernie Sanders stuff on the way mm-hmm. that will make you wonder, how have I not heard this before? And why haven't candidates who are trying to bring Bernie down, why haven't they put this information out before? It's out there. Right. But uh, it's just the way politics works. When you're, Until you get to a certain level, people just don't dig below that surface. Like the, if Particularly if they're sympathetic to you and your thing. Definitely true. Uh, but uh, Amy Klobuchar, if she was in first place for a couple of weeks, we'd find out things about her. It'd be like, what? I had no idea she voted voted for this or that. Sure. Bernie's stuff is a little different than that, the the extent to which he's a socialist. But uh, stay tuned for that um, probably in, I don't know, a while later, this hour. Uh, We got a new moon. Earth's gravity has caught another moon, so that's pretty exciting. A lot of your planets have multiple moons, right? Right, and we've only got one. Bernie will take care of that. 
You know, it's 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 moon inequality. Why do some planets have 12 moons? Earth has one. Billionaires of moons. Moon billion. Well, I'm still working on the metaphor. Astronomers noticed the new moon on February 15th. So just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, hey, we got another moon, it looks like. It got pulled into our gravity. Yes. Hey, baby. Um, Why are you wandering through the solar system like that? It's not a very big moon. In fact, they call it a mini-moon. I shall call you mini-moon. <laughs> it's actually the size of a car. That's a pretty small moon. What? That's no moon. It's a rock. You land on the car. You stand there on the hood. Ah, uh, one small step. Yeah, great. Now I'm impressed. I drove a moon to work today. What? Is this? It's a rock. Anyway, we got a second moon. Isn't that exciting? I thought it was a good moon. I'm sorry. I this thought is... it was a moon moon, and soon it'll be the have a double wolf blood moon and the rest of it. Yeah, this so just doubles the opportunity we have for special moons that disappoint us all. <laughs> Size of a car. I'm sorry. I didn't, Dang it. I didn't realize I was going to be such a downer. So speaking of science, kind of, and I love this, it is so clever. Oh, we, we really don't have time to explain this to you. A couple of musicians have generated, through the use of algorithms, every conceivable melody, copyrighted them, then released them to the public domain to prevent those idiotic lawsuits where if your melody is slightly like somebody else's, as if you can invent new pop music at this point, um, you can't be sued. I'll tell you more about it coming up. Every conceivable melody. That's right. But are you a capitalist? No, I'm not a capitalist. So you don't believe in the profit motive, free enterprise? If I have a better mousetrap, I make more money. There's something to be said for free enterprise on a local level and competition. But what we're happening in our society is we don't live in a free enterprise society. You live in a corporate capitalist society where in virtually every single industry you have giant multi-billion dollar corporations competing, driving the small businessman okay. But let's out. pretend it would work without all that kind of acquisition of power that is unfair and doesn't... Do I believe that the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? The answer is no. So that uh, part there at the end is pretty important. That's Bernie Sanders. You recognize the voice. A young Bernie Sanders, young in his case being 40, that's from 1981 on the Phil Donahue show. Um, Mayor how, Pete Buttigieg was born in 1982. So this was before Mayor Pete was born? Yeah, maybe that's why he didn't bring it up. Because <laughs> it happened before I was born. Uh, how 60 Minutes didn't have that clip? or just? No. And you know, I'm not saying that's going to doom Bernie, but he's going to have to explain what do you mean by that part at the end where he does not believe it's fundamental human nature to, uh, to need to make a profit, to, to need to be able to... Uh, feel like I'm going to get ahead through my work. He believes, as socialists do, that we'll all work hard just kind of for the collective. And, um, well, he'll have to, I'll let him answer that himself. But uh, the fact that it's out there is pretty interesting. And then a little more on Bernie. Um, this is from Politico Magazine. This was written, written in 2015. And it's a long uh, a story about Bernie Sanders and his life. This was when he was really on the rise against Hillary Clinton back during that campaign. But he never got high enough to where people thought he was actually going to get the nomination 
that they really drilled down on this stuff. This stuff just never really caught on, and he never had to answer any of the questions on the, his beliefs on socialism or any of this stuff. Well, and like uh, other uh, political figures of old, some of whom became leaders and dictators, he was he was laughed at to a large extent for, for most of his career. Yeah. Bernard Sanders. Um, he's a wackadoo. He, well, that's your... That's your uh, conceptualization Are of it. Are you saying that's like my opinion, man? That is, that is more or less. <laughs> well, he was, he, was a, well, he was seen as a wackadoo, though, in Congress. He n- never got anything passed. He was this weird socialist from up north where you can get away with anything. He had no coalitions. He had no influence. He was just, he was chuckled at. I'll give you some of the highlights from the Political Magazine article. Um, he, he didn't get his first full-time job till he was 39 when he was elected mayor in Vermont. Can you imagine that, my friends? He he bounced around doing a variety of part-time jobs, and he was always dirt poor, according to his friends in the in the political. How would you describe the politics of Politico? So you know it's not a right-wing Fox News hit piece. Well, it certainly isn't. I mean, Politico is is pretty mainstream, which I've means never has left. I've never yeah, I've never heard anybody accuse Politico be, being right-wingers. No. Um. Uh, but again, he bounced around job to job. He tried carpentry for a while, and they quote a guy in the in Politico, a friend of his from the Times, saying he was an S.E. carpenter. And you never know if stuff like that is true or not. No, well, speaking as a man who couldn't put together a birdhouse if you gave me ten tries, I'm not going to criticize him for that. He took um, uh, some money he inherited from his dad. This is all very Marx-sounding, if you know anything about uh, Marx's life. He bounced around and lived off of others and inheritance and that sort of stuff and never could actually earn a living. I think that's what drives a lot of socialists. They can't make a go of it in the world. Mm-hmm. So they figure they figure there ought to be some sort of system where I can just kind of bounce around and do my own thing and not have to worry about making a living like the rest of these suckers do. And since the entirety of human experience would put shame upon a person who can't make a living, I need to invent an ideology where it's okay. <laughs> So he was a pretty good athlete in high school. He gets out of high school. Marks or Bernie? Bernie. Okay. Roughly the Bernard same. Sanders. Uh, <laughs> he a uh, pretty good athlete in high school. He gets out of high school and uh, goes to college, gets a uh, B.A. in uh, political science, um, then kind of bounces around. Sounds like me so far. He kind of bounces around, doesn't really have a job. And uh, well, you, you whoops, except for that part. Yeah, exactly. I've been working since I was eleven and lied about my age. He meets he meets some. So I'm a liar. <laughs> he meets some chick. They get married. They're only married for two years. They lived in a shack in the woods that he bought with his inheritance from his dad. They had dirt floors. Their electricity regularly got turned off. They were always dirt poor, according to the people interviewed who knew them back in the day mm-hmm. in Politico. They get a divorce for whatever reason. Then he ends I up... think the dirt floors may have been a factor. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been with a woman. They don't put up with that for long. I kind of assumed that it once, you know, because we were young and having fun, I kind of assumed at some point, I've actually known people like this, I kind of thought at some point we'd, you know, move on from our kind of, we're 21 years old lifestyle. Right. And, hey, uh, uh, sweetheart, I hate to uh, pick, but any chance of a floor this month? <laughs> God, your husband can't get around to getting you a floor. And there's all kinds of uh, writings from him where he's, he's saying exactly the same stuff he's saying today. I mean, you have mm-hmm. to give him credit for consistency and authenticity. He believes this stuff to his core, and he's been saying the same thing his whole life. He's not, you know. He's not new to any of this stuff. But but anyway, so then he has a uh, he, he gets a divorce from that woman after a couple of years of marriage, has a baby with another woman, a girlfriend. It, I assumed the kid was named Levi. It's L-E-V-I, and he's Jewish, mm-hmm. but it's pronounced Levy. Levy. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. Um, uh, and well, yeah, it depends who you ask. According I'm wearing Levy's right now. 
Levy's Buttonfly 501 Blues. According to people that are quoted in the in the magazine article, Bernie... Uh, I can't actually wear those jeans anymore. I'm too fat. But anyway, you were saying? He didn't always make his child support payments. Um, he, he lived off of various uh, government handouts and friends and, st- and stuff like that. Uh, that, that. That's not cool. He should have to answer for that. I mean, yeah. that's a question you should have to answer for. Were you, were you making your required child support payments? Now, I'll grant you, Trump inherited a bunch of money, and that got him started. Um, but Trump will absolutely murder Bernie on stage for never having held a job, always being a government guy. That's that's amazing. Boy, you think that'll work, though? I mean, with anybody else, that would work. But you don't think Bernie can just say, well, I didn't have a father who would give me a million dollars to start out a business like you did. I think that works for a lot I of I could parry that. I don't know if Trump will. What would you say? I, I would say... You've never even tried. You've never held a job other than a government job. I've built, you know, 40 hotels and, and golf courses and the rest of it. I've worked seven days a week for 50 years. You, you, the only thing you know is government handouts. You're a bum, Bernie. You're a glorified bum. Then I turn and look at the camera like this. <laughs> Strike a pose. Um... So anyway, right, pick up the mic, then drop it, just so I can drop it. So then he got into the freelance writing. That's or maybe where... I'd do the finger thing. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't figured it out Make yet. your head go like this? Exactly. I can't do that. That's so, another thing I can't do. Um, so then he did the freelance writing for a variety of leftist mags. That's where he wrote about the whole rape fantasies, masturbation, kids being naked stuff. Yeah, good, good stuff That he there. got paid $50 a story for. I don't. Uh, that stuff. Uh, that stuff doesn't play well when you read excerpts. I mean, I've got some excerpts here I could read from. Um, I'm sure we'll hear a lot of it leading up to the election. But I don't. I don't know. Knock him for that as much. I, I know what you're saying. It's easy to take a single sentence or, or two out of context and, and make them seem fiction. perverse. Uh, if that helps defeat him, that's fine. I think there's there are plenty of seriously terrible, dangerous things about Bernie that ought to be addressed before, you know, he's a little pervy in 1971. He drove around in a rusted-out, Bondo-covered VW bug most of his life, which is kind of a hippie thing. I mean, you do that on purpose. You like that. Even if, I've, I've known hippies who do that, even who, who could afford a better car, because mm-hmm. it's just part of the, the vibe, right? I, I think he was actually poor. Uh, electricity turned off a lot, as I said. He was always a slob, had a messy place. And this is what his friends are saying about him, by the way. These are all people that call themselves his friends. The only thing he was good at, they say, was talking nonstop about socialism and how the rich were ripping everybody off. And he was nonstop about that all the time. Maybe you ought to try getting a job. Bernard Sanders. Unbelievable. And oh. he doesn't think... Play that clip again. It's short. It's, it's, that the, the part at the end is notable. But are you a capitalist? No, I'm not a capitalist. So you don't believe in the profit motive, free enterprise? If I have a better mousetrap, I make more money. There's something to be said for free enterprise on a local level and competition. But what we're happening in our society is we don't live in a free enterprise society. You live in a corporate capitalist society where in virtually every single industry you have giant, multi-billion dollar corporations competing, driving the small businessmen But let's pretend it would work without all that kind of acquisition of power that is unfair and doesn't... Do I believe that the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? The answer is no. Do I believe that the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? No. That's crazy talk. That's, that, opinion, is, that is a guy who has lived his entire life theoretically as opposed to, as opposed to realistically. I'm, I'm thinking about all of the small business people I know, and I know a lot of them. 
I was just chatting with a couple of them last night, as a matter of fact, who have gone in in the one case I won't name him because he'd be embarrassed but uh, a buddy of mine was a career military guy then he got out he started a business he grew the business he busted his butt he's he's creative and the rest of it and he's become a hell of an American success story it's absolutely fantastic and that that story is repeated in every state of the union hundreds of thousands of times there there are, are kids right now coming out of high school, college, whatever, who have an idea and a dream, and they've already begun to make it real. And for Bernie, who's never tried to reject that, is just an obscenity to me. And yeah, of course there are inequities, and the, and, and the rich pull the strings, and they write the laws. But granting government more power is going to just get you more of that. If you if you believe we need more socialism, you need we need uh, a safety net with tighter holes, et cetera, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. I think you'd, you'd you'd have a better messenger if you had somebody that had worked some you know real jobs for a long time. Yeah, and uh, and was saying that. Well, listen, it's an the, old... the I've never made a living on my own until I found a way to get the taxpayer to pay me. Yeah, is, is not as good a message. Yeah, all I've ever done is spout this theory. It's just, I'm sorry, I, I can't respect that. It's going to be fun to watch, though. Uh, yeah, kind of. Although I see, I see millions of, in particular, young people uh, who are attracted to this dangerous siren song. I mean, if you're familiar with the, uh, you know, the sirens of mythology, it's the most beautiful music that any sailor has ever heard. It is so exquisite, they have to sail to see uh, closer to see what it is, where it's coming from. They want to hear more of it. They end up wrecked on the rocks. Well, that's uh, I use that uh, metaphor uh, seriously when it comes to socialism. It is a great-sounding idea, but it is deadly because it grants more and more and more control to the powerful. It's, and and Bernie, Bernie might honestly believe that he is such a good and benevolent visionary that if you give him those reins, he will exercise that control fairly. He might actually believe that. I think that makes him borderline mentally ill. So uh, do you think any of this stuff that's come out like in the last 48 hours, you know, the Castro stuff kind of started Sunday night with... 60 Minutes, we talked about Castro earlier in the show, that whole story, The Atlantic, breaking down how that was. The the literacy program was all about making sure the kids only learned about socialism. They closed the private schools. See, they were teaching literacy also. Why did they close the private schools in Cuba? It's an odd move. Yeah, anyway. so, uh, So the last three, four days have probably been the roughest in terms of oppo research in Bernie's entire political career on the Mm -hmm. national stage. Mm -hmm. Do you think that does him any damage? It might. I wonder if this stuff's coming from uh, Bloomberg's people. I don't know that it'll do him enough damage. Bloomberg's the one guy who has the money to not only uncover this stuff, but then distribute it. He might be distributing it. It's bouncing around on Twitter, and Bloomberg uses Twitter a lot. He's very, you know, he's advanced, modern, he understands modern communications. Yeah. He might be pushing this stuff out there and making mm-hmm. sure it just floats around. Everybody sees that Phil Donahue clip. Everybody, you know, sees that political article. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, if I had a million dollars... To do that on social media, I personally would do wow. that. I think he's that dangerous. Mm. Um, and it's not out of love for Trump in particular. I mean, I would never, ever, ever do that against like an Amy Klobuchar, uh, uh, Mayor Pete. I, I don't I don't love Pete's policies, but he's just, he's a Democrat. That's fine. But Bernie, Bernie is dangerous. 
want to get back to that bizarre, hilariously stupid uh, California law that we talked about earlier as an illustration of why Bernie's dangerous, but in a bit. Honey, can we get floors that aren't dirt floors? When the millionaires and billionaires give up their floors, (laughs) there will be floor equity for all. Bernard Sanders. Armstrong and Getty. This morning, President Trump tweeted this review. Crazy, chaotic Democrat debate last night. Mini Mike was weak and unsteady. Pocahontas was mean, mostly aiming at Crazy Bernie. And Mini Mike, Steyer was a disaster. Tom Steyer, he's put millions of dollars of his own money into his campaign, and he still can't get Trump to give him a nickname. (laughs) (laughs) Amusing. Boy, did CBS get beaten up for that debate by everyone, not just Fox, but MSNBC. They couldn't stop talking about what a horrible job Gail King and Nora O'Donnell did in trying to control that debate. Mm, and sources within CBS are starting to speak. Yeah, there is some talk. Trying to that, dodge blame on themselves, probably. There's but. some talk that they had a bit of a, a dust-up at the end of the debate between the two of them. Yeah. Gail King and Nora O'Donnell about how it was being handled, but I, I don't know what happened. But it was terrible. It was the worst I've ever seen in terms of, well, uh, accomplishing what you're hoping to accomplish, letting people hear what the candidates have to say about various topics. One at a time. I mean, I heard what they all had to say simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> that was the problem. Do we have that clip, Andy, Sean? Oh, my gosh. Just the short one is fine, but it was astonishing. Yeah, the, the, the one said... No, I, 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 I was talking about Bernie. I was talking This is the best form of government? I'll be damned. Oh, we got this text. You know, this is one thing Bloomberg could use, because he's the one that said it on the stage last debate. What a great country. The most famous socialist in America is, is a millionaire with three homes, which is a hell of a good line. What am I missing here? The crowd kind of <laughs> groaned, boo. Yeah. Don't point that out. We got this. He doesn't believe in profit motive, but he's managed to accrue sizable wealth. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, much more than the average person. But anyway. And he hasn't given it out. And uh, I don't blame him. He ought to keep it. Sure. We'll have he plenty. earned it by selling snake oil. But We'll have plenty of time to talk about this, I'm sure, and leading up to November, I think. And will. Um... Streaming hit a new milestone. I listen to all my music on streaming, and I feel somewhat guilty about it. There are artists I've discovered, I've listened to every album they've ever put out, and I really haven't given them a cent. Well, you've given them probably two and a half cents. Yeah, literally. Yeah. A couple of cents. Not the $60 I would have given them 10 years ago by buying all their their CDs. Mm -hmm. Anyway, streaming hit a new milestone, accounting for nearly 80% of U.S. music revenue in 2019. I and, don't and understand. All the revenue goes to the companies and and not the artists in a I way that yeah. makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, including uh, you know all the companies we work for. Hello. From a music listening standpoint, I don't know why I would ever buy a CD again in my life. I, I just don't understand why I would do that. I can dial up any song I want to hear any moment I want to hear it. Well, that couple cents per song 
is drastically more than in the Napster era where it was just essentially stealing oh, yeah, music. The yeah. fact that the fact that streaming came along and kind of market corrected and made people stop stealing music, I think is fascinating. Oh, oh, yeah, it's well, better than nothing. Well, but it's not a little much. like I'm only going to beat you once a day. I mean, it's it's cold comfort for the musicians. But but a few decades ago, you could have a single hit and be set for life. Yep. Yep. No, not a chance of that now. Oh, you no, could no, have no. multiple albums that millions of people have listened to, and you'd have no money. You'd be broke. You might still have a day job, oh, depending on how you, you handled your uh, your finances. If David Crosby's accurate when he said, I had a million downloads, I forget what Crosby, Stills, and Nash song he wrote, that had a million downloads in that previous month, and he made $1.30 or something. Mm-hmm. If that's accurate, no. Yeah. Of course you'd still have a day job. Right, right. That's why you tour and sell merch. And and they say, you know, buy buy merch, not music. So speaking of music, two programmer slash musicians. These guys are players, but they're adept at the programming. They use some algorithm um to create essentially every conceivable melody. Then they copyrighted the whole thing legally. They established legally their ownership of every conceivable Melody, and then released it all to the public domain in an effort to stop the idiotic string of lawsuits where one dumb pop song sounds slightly like some other dumb pop song, and if you can convince a dumb jury of that, some lawyers get paid. It's insidious, It's and, and you know, some artists I really admire have been involved in some of this stuff on, on either end of it. It's just goofy. We're too late in American pop music to come up with anything truly original. So it's just become a money-making scheme for lawyers. Uh, but it's a really interesting thing they did and, and pretty cool. I wonder if it, do you think it'll work? Don't know. No idea. I hope so. Yeah. 